for Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, even once there's a vaccine or an effective therapy to fight the coronavirus, people could still feel the economic pain of the pandemic for a long time to come. You take care of the health, the economy will come back, but it's not going to come back overnight. I mean, it's going to take a long time to get that uh, resettled. Tom Smith, an economist at Emory University's Goisweta Business School, joins me to discuss what some of the latest economic indicators could tell us about the days, weeks, and months to come as the pandemic wears on. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. It's been a tumultuous few months for the U.S. economy. After bottoming out in April, the U.S. unemployment rate showed some positive movement last month, even though there's still a ways to go until things get back to normal. Meanwhile, some of the recent efforts from President Trump to ease some of the economic pain might not be all that helpful. So says Tom Smith. He's an economist at Emory University's Goisweta Business School, and he joins me now for more. Tom, thanks for talking with me. Sure, of course. I want to start by talking about the jobs numbers. So the U.S. Labor Department says the country gained about 1.8 million jobs last month. That puts the unemployment rate right now at about 10.2 percent. And that seems like a big number until you take into account where it was earlier this year, 14.7 percent in April of 2020. So just to start, this is some positive movement we're seeing with with U.S. unemployment numbers. So I want to be really careful about saying this is really great news. Remember that during the 2008-2009 economic recession, the unemployment rate never got over 10%. And so we're still at an unemployment rate that is higher than we were ever at the worst point in the Great Recession. I know that the, the jobs report said that the U.S. gained these jobs. And the only analogy I could think of is, let's say you you go to a casino and you lose $1,000 and then you come back and you win back you know, a couple hundred. You don't say, yeah, wow, I've, I've won $200. No, you're still down $800. And so, yeah, the U.S. has gained some jobs back from where they lost it, but there's still net losses. And I fear that a lot of the gains that have come back, if you want to call them gains, 
This is people who were initially released from their job or furloughed right at the beginning of the pandemic. Then through a series of very generous grants, uh, companies are able to reopen in some way, shape or form. And then some people are hired back, but they're not necessarily hired back the same way they were before. And so the gains are a little bit uneven and it's not exactly apples to apples. People who are working full time are coming back at halftime. We lost, you know, a, a ton of jobs and we're getting some of them back in some way, but they're not exactly the same as they were before. That's something too the U.S. Labor Department tracks. They look at people who have given up the search for work as well as those who are, like you described, people who are in part-time positions because maybe they can't find full-time jobs. The Labor Department puts that number at about 16.5%. That's a very different number than that 10.2%. Sure. You know, I know people say that, you know, it's really difficult to take any kind of statistic at face value. And it's true. Like you have to look at a combination of statistics to really get a good picture about how the economy is moving along. We haven't seen numbers come out in terms of uh, wages. These are usually a couple of quarters in arrears. And so we'll have to track those sort of anecdotally people are coming back and um, they're not necessarily being paid the same amount. I know a lot of people who have taken 5, 10, 15, 20% pay cuts as a result of the very precarious status of the economy. And so even people with jobs aren't doing as well as they were before because they've taken a 15% pay cut. I think that is very, very common. I would gather that one in four listeners to this show either have taken a pay cut or know somebody who has. You mentioned that there are a bunch of different statistics that people can maybe look at to help create a picture of what the economy is is doing. Other than this kind of employment rate that we've been talking about, what numbers do you like to look at and, and why are they meaningful? Um, I'm looking at the labor force and I'm looking at labor force participation. And so the labor force in Georgia is down quite a bit. Um, so there's not as many people who are actually either working or looking for work. In order to be unemployed, you have to either be looking for a job, actively seeking employment. But if you have stopped looking, you're no longer officially unemployed. Uh, consider this, right? At the beginning of, of April, or excuse me, more like March, you know, we went into lockdown territory and, you know, kids left school and went into homeschooling situation. Well, you can imagine that there are a lot of families that had to really become full-time teachers in some respects. I am sure that there were families who, with two, two earners who turned into one earner families because all of a sudden you got to watch, you know, like a second grader. I mean, you can't, you can't go out and, and work. It's just very, very difficult. So you got to imagine that there's people who have said, I can't do both a job from home and watch my kid or help my kid learn math or something. And so they said, I'm unemployed. And then, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stay unemployed for a while. I'm not even going to look anymore. And now, now that person is officially removed from the labor force. And we saw this huge, this huge change in the number of people who are in the labor force. And so there's that. Are there any other statistics that you think are really meaningful here? We did see one of the largest decreases in G quarterly GDP 
this last quarter. And I mean, it hasn't gotten a ton of news, but it was just an insane drop in the amount of goods and services that we produce in our country. We're producing a whole lot less, and there's a whole lot more people who are unemployed. There's less people in the labor force. There's not a lot of inflation, so I do look at that. I think the other things that I'm paying close attention to are the sectors where people are losing their jobs to get a sense for um, where the economy might be stumbling going forward. Like in people who are working in leisure and hospitality, that year-over-year change uh, for March, April, May, June, those were 40%, 30%, 20%. I mean, there was huge changes in the number of people who are working in leisure and hospitality. So it's not just the unemployment rate. It's also how many people are working in those sectors. And you know, the Atlanta area has been hit really hard in you know, changes in employment in manufacturing, information technology, business services, and leisure and hospitality. Another number that has kind of caught my attention as of late is just the the vast amount of uninsurance benefits that the Georgia Department of Labor has paid out. The Georgia Department of Labor says the state trust fund, this is kind of their pool of money to pay out benefits, sat at about $585 million in late July. That trust fund dropped $1.9 billion from March of this year to July of this year. I mean, that that to me just is a real striking amount of money that the state has been forced to really tap into to pay on insurance benefits. Sure. No, I, I heard an interview with uh, somebody from that system who said that they had paid out more in a couple of weeks during this pandemic than they had in previous years from that same fund. And just that just points to sort of the scale, the magnitude of our economic woes here. That also sort of points to some of the problems that came out of this recent set of executive orders that Trump signed. He signed a part of an order that said that he's going to increase unemployment insurance coverage by $400. So it had been at $600. And he said, well, let's bump it, bump it down. Or if you're back to square one, we're going to bump it up to $400. But 25% of that comes from the states. So the states have to fund a quarter of that additional unemployment insurance. But it's not clear that states actually have the money to do that. So it's not clear that even this executive order is going to work because it, it then it falls to, to the states to come up with this money and their funds are running out. I mean, they might not have money to actually provide this additional unemployment insurance to people. Another one of these executive orders that the president signed over the weekend defers payroll taxes for some workers through the end of 2020. What kind of impact could that have? I'm I'm thinking of maybe a few challenges here. A payroll tax break doesn't work if you're not on the payroll, for one. And then a deferral means that this is money that's going to be owed eventually down the road. Right. So what happens is that in your paycheck... You have to pay uh, taxes and your employer basically withholds money to do that so that you don't have to come up with like a huge tax bill at the end of the year. So deferring that allegedly should mean that you should get a couple extra dollars in your pocket, but you're correct. If it's not completely erased, if it's just deferred, then you'll still have to come up with that money at the end of the year, but it's not going to be a ton of money every paycheck. 
right? I mean, for some people, it, I mean, that might be 40 bucks, it might be 50 bucks, it might be 100 bucks, but that's for people who currently have jobs, right? And the, the idea had absolutely no traction in the Senate at all across party lines. Nobody thought that this was an actually effective way to generate an economic boost given the current climate. You get so many people who are unemployed, those people would see zero benefit from, you know, this kind of a payroll tax deferral. If you did have the ability to, you know, put a few measures in place that you think would have an impact here, whether in the state of Georgia or at a national level to kind of ease some of this pain, what do you think would actually work here? From all the evidence, there may be four different reports that I have read about the $600 addition to the unemployment insurance. And across the board, um, the researchers found that that $600 did not disincentivize people from picking up employment when the employment was accessible. But it probably kept other parts of the economy from completely falling off the table. Keeping that going for another six months would probably keep our recession from being, you know, the COVID depression, if you will. The other policies I see probably would get so much pushback, but, you know, having eviction moratoriums and uh, foreclosure, you know, moratoriums, um, at some point, you have landlords who are going to be left holding the bill, and then you have banks that are going to be left holding the bill. You know, making large payments to landlords saying, okay, this is how many people are in your building. This is how many rent payments you've missed. Here's a lump sum payment. You know, go pay your mortgage and or wholesale payments to banks. Now, this is not a bank bailout, but it's banks are definitely going to suffer because you're left holding these distressed assets on your balance sheets. People aren't paying your, your mortgage. Now these home mortgages are now distressed. And so as a bank, you have to have more capital that you can hold against those. And so having policies that really provide a backstop for landlords, for banks, probably would be very unpopular, but would be incredibly effective. Then you, now you've given people who are living in homes, living in, in rental properties, uh, a little bit of breathing room. If you say, look, we've already paid your landlord for the next year, so, so don't worry about getting evicted. That would be a great policy. Very, very unpopular because people don't like banks and landlords for whatever reason. One of these executive orders the, the president has signed, he, he bills as an extension of, of an eviction moratorium, even though digging down deeper, I think there's some reporting that it, it's maybe not that that simple. And Tom, maybe just to kind of look forward, I know that no one really knows the future, but, you know, we last spoke, I think, in late spring. Even then, it felt like we had been stuck in this situation for a long time. But now here we are at uh, the beginning of August and it changes your perspective on you know how long this situation is actually going to last. What does your outlook for the future look like? So I've been uh, I've been using the analogy of sort of living in a hurricane. When New Orleans went through Hurricane Katrina, you know, you say that saw the same kind of like economic devastation and you certainly didn't think that, let's say, restaurants were going to reopen in the middle of the hurricane. I think that we're in the middle of an economic hurricane right? because of the pandemic, because of COVID. 
And it's almost impossible to really suggest that every company can open up the same way that they did as long as there's still a pandemic, as long as COVID's still out there. So this hurricane is going to last until we have a vaccine, we have some type of uh, pharmaceutical. Um, until then, we're going to be in a pretty bad spot if, if we can get a vaccine by I mean, February, March of next year. Um, you're still looking at a long recovery. Remember that the Great Recession, we had this spike. The recession lasted about a year and a half, but unemployment just took so long to come back. You know, two, three, five years later, people were still saying, oh, we're in the middle of a recession, even though the recession had officially ended. There's no reason to believe that we can just like snap our fingers and be out of the situation that we are. Because I think a lot of people are changing the way they're consuming. They're changing the way that they're living. So we are seeing things like uh, savings rates going up and consumer spending and going down. People are paying off their credit card bills. So people might have a huge appetite for all, let's say, going to Vegas or something when this is all done. But they also might change the way that they're eating, right? They might say, yeah, you know what? We don't have to go to restaurants. We're we're doing a lot of cooking at home. We're really enjoying that part of this. And, and a bunch of restaurants then go to business. They never really come back. Um, I anticipate that we're going to be sort of feeling this recession, um, you know, for another year. I, I could I clearly see that in my crystal ball. Implicit in your answer there, Tom, is this kind of coupling of our ability to fight this pandemic with our ability to get the economy back up and running again. I mean, I think you don't have to look very far afield to see elected officials kind of pitting our health response versus our economic recovery. Um, it seems like the paradigm that you're setting up is the economic recovery can only happen once we get the public health problem fixed. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's you've you've had some politicians who have said some pretty outlandish things. I don't know if it was a lieutenant governor of Texas who, who suggested that, you know, the elderly die for the stock market, right? It's like, you know, yeah, you should put yourself at risk, right? We got to keep the S&P going. It's insane. I mean, if you're dead, you, you can't experience the economic recovery, okay? This is not what we want. And so it's, I think, primarily a health issue. You take care of the health, the economy will come back, but it's not going to come back overnight. A bunch of restaurants are going to be out of business. A bunch of you know landscapers are going to be out of business. I mean, it's going to take a long time to get that uh, resettled, right? After people say, oh my gosh, I feel safer. I'm not going to catch COVID because I have this vaccine. Okay, now I got to get a job and get a house. <laughs> That's, I mean, that doesn't take, it doesn't take a minute. I mean, that takes a month. That takes three months. That takes six months. Tom Smith is an economist at Emory University's Goisweta Business School. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review and you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening.
is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate and thanks.